amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, fellow dark friends. Just wanted to give everybody a quick reminder to buy your tickets for SpoilerCon, our West Coast Watt-related convention. It'll be held in Portland the 27th through 29th of September. Folks have got a lot of fun events and things planned, including at least a live recording, a silent auction, a costume contest. But if you want to know more, you should go check out the website, spoilercon.org. That's S-P-O-I-L-E-R-C-O-N.org to RSVP. Also, on the website are details for the hostel at which a lot of people are going to be staying. Um, It's a great space for the budget conscious. A lot of people are traveling pretty far to get there. Do book early to ensure yourself a spot. There are several Airbnbs and hotels within close walking distance if you prefer that. And keep up on all SpoilerCon activities by following us on Discord, Twitter, and or Facebook. Go do it now. This is the Wheel of Time Spoilers Podcast. Your hosts are Seth Jacobson and Patrick Heiler. Hi, I'm Seth. And I'm Patrick. Chapter 55. Into the Deep. And our symbol is the waves, or the water, the sea. What do we call this? It's the one that you don't like very much. <laughs> yeah, I really think it's kind of, it. it's like a poor M.C. Escher painting. I mean, it's it's a tessellated wave is basically the the best way to describe it, in my opinion. I'm trying to think, what do they describe it as? Official artwork? No, let me look at the the chapter icons. Waves is what they have it described as. Mm. And that, but that's just uh, when I go. I think that's just a file name that somebody made up. So. Servants boiled along the halls as Nynaeve ran, shouting frantic questions. They might not be able to sense channeling but they had certainly felt the palace being torn half apart. She threaded her way through, just one more serving woman in a panic as far as they were concerned. Sidar faded from her as she sped down corridors and across courtyards, holding on to anger as was difficult when she was increasingly uneasy for Elaine. If the Black Sisters had found her, who knew what they had beside Balefire to Rangrial? The list that they had been given certainly did not give a use for everything. Once she saw Leandrin, with her pale honey braids, and Rihanna, with that white streak in her black hair, hurrying down a flight of broad marble stairs. She could not see the glow of Sidar around them, but from the way servants cried out and leapt from their path, they were whipping away clear for themselves with the power. It made her glad she had not tried to cling to the source herself, 
they would have picked her out of the throng in an instant by the glow, and until she had some rest, she was not up to facing either of them, much less both. She had what she had come for. They had to wait. The crowd thinned and disappeared by the time she reached the narrow hall on the west side of the palace. That was the meeting place. The others were waiting for her beside a small, bronze-studded door fastened with a large iron lock, including Amathera, standing very straight, wearing a light linen cloak with the hood up. The Panarch's white dress might pass for a serving woman's garb if you did not look closely enough to see that it was silk. And the veil, that did not hide her face, was certainly servant's linen. The sound of shouts came muffled through the door. Apparently the riot was still going on. Now, if only the men were doing the rest of their part. Ignoring Aginan, Nynaeve threw her arms around Elaine in a quick hug. I was so worried. Did you have any trouble? Not a bit, Elaine replied. Aginan shifted slightly, and the younger woman gave her a meaningful look, then added, Amathera did cause a little problem, but we sorted it out. Nynaeve frowned. Trouble? Why would she give trouble? Why would you give trouble? That last was for the Panarch, who held her head high, refusing to look at anyone. Elaine seemed as reluctant. It was the Shanchan woman who answered. She tried to sneak off and rouse her soldiers to harry the dark friends out after she had been warned. Nynaeve refused to look at her. Do not scowl so, Nynaeve, Elaine said. I chased her down quickly, and we had a little talk. I think she's in perfect agreement with me now. The Panarch's cheeks twitched. I am in agreement. I said I, she said hastily, I will do exactly as you say, and I will provide papers that should make even the rebels let you pass unhindered. There's no need for more talking. So my only question really there was, what what was talking? Was it the lifted by the braids thing again? Or <laughs> that's what I imagined. That's what Elaine did in the last chapter. But see, I don't think that was effective. I think she must have gone further with this talk. And I don't know if it involved just being like, look, your soldiers are dead and gone and you are going to betray us and it's going to be an issue. Or if it was like, bend over, I'm going to spank you until you, you know, agree, which either one is totally in line with what Jordan does. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's Elaine's style. I wouldn't put it past Nynaeve, but I, I don't think it's Elaine's style. I don't know. I mean, Aginan was there as well, so who knows? Timber says hi. <laughs> Hello, Timber. Came down the stairs, jumped up on the bed, rolled around, started making noise. And then we see Elaine return the question to Nynaeve, saying, like, you're a half an hour late. What happened to you? <laughs> well, and she's like, are you responsible for that massive surge in power and the whole fortress shaking and then he's like oh, well, yeah <laughs> i kind of fought a forsaken so it was a little uh a little bit of an event while i was gone yeah kind of summed up by nynaeve says mogedian found me and because i was worrying about how to bring her out for trial jane cade nearly took my head off with balefire that's the dark friend's name that i can't pronounce jaeen saeed or whatever her name sounds like a like a marvel comic superhero for some reason to me i could see it jayeen or like gene cade is sort of like oh yeah gene oh. gray oh yeah <laughs> elaine's like you captured mogedian you captured one of the forsaken and then Nynaeve has to admit that she got away but you know at least she made it out alive right. 
And I love, I love Nynaeve's like, well, I've admitted all the things I screwed up. And it's like, you captured a Forsaken. You should be bragging, not <laughs> admitting that she got away. You'd be like, I went toe-to-toe with a Forsaken, and I'm not dead. Look at me. Like... That's something to brag about, not something to be ashamed about. And that's, you know, a lot of Nynaeve's um, internal thoughts drive me nuts because I just want her to be proud of herself sometimes. Like and she's like, never uh, really enough for her. Yeah. She's never really fully, like, proud of her accomplishments. She always feels like, you know, it's like even when, after she cleanses the source, she's like, well, you know, Rand did a lot of that. Yeah. How Egwene of her. And it's like, come on. Egwene is never satisfied either once she conquers one thing she's like work to do talk shears no sheep what you're saying imposter syndrome is a thing and the better you are yeah that like no matter how good you are or how good you think you are or how you know how much you accomplish you think you're like not good enough for your position in life oh yeah i mean i think so i think that works in so many ways like you know yeah if I lose 10 pounds, I'll be happy. If I buy that car, I'll be happy. Then you buy that car and lose 10 pounds and you're still the same guy. You're just 10 pounds mm-hmm. lighter and you have a really big bill to pay. <laughs> it's, you know, we often like to tell ourselves that, like, I'll achieve happiness once I achieve these things. And then you realize that, yeah, well, you achieve all you want. You're still you. And that's really where happiness is all about striving, not achieving. Journey before destination. Yeah. I'm almost when like when I order something on Amazon, I'm more excited while it's shipping than when I get the thing. Once I got the thing, I've got it. And that's like, <laughs> yeah. okay, whatever. But when it's on its way, I'm like, ooh, 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 I can't wait. You know, and that's that's the same way I feel about, you know, work is oftentimes like I'm I'm happier to work on a puzzle than I am to finish a puzzle. I'm happier to edit a podcast than I am to publish a podcast. That makes sense. Yeah. Same same concept. And I, I'd like to also point out, Nynaeve is is sort of re- it, coming around to Agin and being okay, even you know, pretty fly for Sean Chan. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, the door swung open. Julian pulled two bent, thin metal rods out of the lock and straightened from a crouch. Blood ran down the side of his face. Hurry! We must be away from here before it gets out of hand. Staring past him, wide-eyed. Nynaeve wondered what he considered out of hand. Beldemon's sailors, at least three hundred of them, formed a semicircle, too deep about the door, Demon himself waving a cudgel, shouting to encourage them. He had to shout for the roar that filled the wide street. Men jostled and struggled and shouted in a seething mass, barely held back by the sailors' clubs and staffs. Not that they were really interested in the sailors. Scattered through the crowd... Clumps of mounted white cloaks swung their swords at men crowding them with pitchforks and barrel staves and bare hands. Showers of stones fell around them, sometimes banging off a helmet, but silently in the uproar. A lone white cloak's horse suddenly screamed and reared and toppled over backward. It scrambled to its feet quickly, minus its rider. Other riderless animals animals dotted the mass of men. Was this what they had set off just to cover themselves? She tried reminding herself why put her hand on the pouch to feel the Quendiar seal, the collar and bracelets, but it was hard. Men were dying out there, surely. Will you women move? Tom called, waving for them to come out. He had a bleeding gash over one bushy eyebrow, perhaps from a stone, and his brown cloak would not even do for the rag bag now. If the Panarch's legion ever stops running, this could grow messy. Amathera made a startled sound, just before Elaine pushed her out firmly. 
Nynaeve and Aginan followed, and as soon as all four women were out, the sailors folded in around them in a tight ring that began struggling away from the palace. It was all Nynaeve could do to keep her feet, jostled by men who were trying to protect her. Once, Aginan slipped and nearly fell. Nynaeve caught her arm, helped her back up, and got a grateful grin. We're not so different, she thought. Not the same, but not all that different. She did... She did not have to make herself smile encouragingly at the Shanchan woman. The milling mass lasted several streets away from the palace, but once they broke clear, the narrow twisting ways were almost empty. Those who were not actually involved in the riot seemed wise enough to stay clear of it. The sailors spread out a little, giving the women more room. Any straggler who looked in their direction got hard stares, though. The streets of Tanchico were still the streets of Tanchico. Somehow, that surprised Nynaeve. It seemed that she had been weeks inside the palace. Surely the city would be different. When the babble began to fade behind them, Tom managed a quite elegant bow to Amathera as he limped along. "'An honor, Panarch,' he said. "'If I may be of any service, you have only to speak.' Shockingly, Amathera glanced at Elaine, grimaced slightly, and said, "'You mistake me, good sir. I am only a poor refugee from the countryside, rescued by these good women.' Tom exchanged startled looks with Julian and Damon, but when he opened his mouth, Elaine said, Could we get on to the inn, Tom? This is hardly the place for conversation. So, in hindsight, to answer your question from before, I think that was the conversation that Elaine had with Amathera. It's like, listen, you're not the Panarch anymore. Your your city's in ruins. That The talk plus seeing the riot and the fact that you know, her the soldiers she thought were defending the palace are totally gone, and the only people who are defending the palace are the white cloaks who are being completely overrun. By the way, yeah, that like is Boar's total failure. Jacob Carradine, just like his white cloaks are just getting destroyed here. I wasn't sure exactly what Tom meant when he said said something along the lines of, "If the Panarch's Legion ever stops running, this may become a real problem." As if the crowd is chasing the the soldiers away or something like that. that that's my assumption. Is like because there were two groups guarding the palace: the Panarchs Legion and the White Cloaks. And so the White Cloaks are pretty easily overrun by the mob. But if you had the Legion and the White Cloaks and the mob, then you'd have probably something that was much much bloodier. Yeah. Just in sheer numbers. So I think what Tom's saying is like, fortunately, the the guard just basically saw a mob and said nope <laughs> and noped <laughs> out of there where they were just like you you deal with it white cloaks and the white cloaks are getting overrun so i think amathera is looking around going oh if i you know i would pretty much just be killed because the white cloaks were technically her defenders right they put her into place she's the one who did the black odd job put all the words in her mouth to do all the horrible things so this this mob is after her blood like they do not like her Right. They see themselves as trying to oust a, a tyrant. Aided by rumors planted by Tom and Julian and uh, egged on by the sailors of Bail Doman, who are now acting as protection for the girls. Right. So it's it's a little bit of a, yeah, they, they sort of started it, but still, the, the, the city was ripe for falling apart. They, they lit the match, but they threw it on. A lot of Tinder. Right. <laughs> and also, as the group 
returns to the three plum court and and, and goes inside. Um, they kind of introduce Thera to the the owner who or the owner of the inn. I, guess, I suppose she's the owner of of this establishment and mm-hmm. Rendra, right? They. Yeah, they they tell Rendra that this is some poor soul that we saw on the street and took pity on her. Can you please make her a pallet in the corner? And and Rendra's like, oh, sure, sure. And and Nynaeve says, Elaine, Rendra will have the woman serving tables in the common room. Elaine did not seem surprised. Yes, very likely. <laughs> Just yeah, it makes me wonder more what passed between Amathera and Elaine, but. That's one of those conversations that I would love to know, you know, sort of like the letters. I'd love to read them. I just don't know exactly what was said. And we get hints, but there's nothing definitive. Yeah, yeah. But Elaine seems to be, like, reveling in this. Like, she, you know, kind of... Her throne was ill-gotten. She she kind of stole it, and then when things started to go wrong, she did, didn't manage to dig herself out of that hole at all. And she treated her people badly, who were starving in the streets. And she's like, "This, I don't." Elaine has no sympathy for a failed ruler. Like, oh, you now you have to work for a living. Well, <laughs> suppose you should have maybe done your other job better. Yeah, and in a lot of ways, I think a lot of people that I know would do well working in a kitchen for a couple of days just just to experience it. Yeah, um, <laughs> <I'm> not, <laughs> I was just looking into Amathira's history. It's interesting. She actually comes back out of hiding, and I believe she becomes the Panarch again until the Shanchan take down the city. Oh, is that right? And then she's made Daco Vale. And then she becomes Thera. I didn't know that. And then Julian rec- and then Julian saves her from the palace in Ebu Dar. I, you know, for some reason, I I never made the connection. I thought she was with Julian for the rest of the time, but he actually rescued. He, they don't hang out for a while, and then he comes back and rescues her again in Winter's Heart. Yeah. Do they leave her behind? Yeah, they leave her behind. That's kind of a fun bit of world building that I honestly never really thought about before. But so they rescue Amathera from the palace and then they leave her behind in this place that's known for like where, you know, shady political dealings and rumors and whatever are are exchanged and bought and sold. So they, yeah, they leave her as a server in one of these and in a place that's likely to help her. Yeah, and, and it's possible that she does go back and eventually gets back into the palace and is raised as Panarch again. But either way, when the Sean Chan take over, they capture her and make her Daco Vale because she refuses to submit. I don't know if they find her... I, d- I doubt they find her in an inn when they come back. Oh, and I, I like this theory that Nin has about the lecture that Elaine gave to Amathera of basically being like, listen... This is how rulers behave. You are a spoiled brat, and you're supposed to be serving your people, not the other way around. There's food waste going on in your kitchen. Like, you need to pull your shit together, or I'm going to come back for you and, like, pull you down off this throne. That's sort of what I imagine the talk was like. Yeah, I, I think that's that was something like that. Anyway, Amathira's history is interesting. She's one of those background threads that sort of pops in and out. And if you're not paying close attention, you're sort of like, wait, where did she come from? Where did she go? But she's like a very much a kind of theta character. 
Yeah, theta. It's around in the background somewhere <laughs> occasionally, and it's just like, oh, yeah, right. I, I kind of remember her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she doesn't really do anything important, but she plays a couple of important roles for our other... A couple of important, like, foil roles. Yeah. Jalad, no, I believe she's survived the whole series. Mm-hmm. We don't see Amathera in the end, but Julin is at the last battle, and I believe he survives. Yeah. Amathera is not at the last battle, but or she doesn't have a, a cameo anyway. It looks like she ends up in the White Tower with a party of Aes Sedai. Julin and Thera leave for Tarvalon with the Aes Sedai. In Towers of Midnight, and then Jolene sends a letter to Seattle Anne that the party arrived safely. Towers of Midnight. So last we hear about her, she's in the White Tower with Julian Sandar mm. during the last battle. And so we can assume that they are fine. And looking at Julian's page, it doesn't resolve his time. He doesn't get a, a resolution either. So that's that's sort of how you can tell if they're how minor the characters are. If they don't get a resolution in the last battle, either a death or a, a final scene, you're like, oh, yeah, they really got cut. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you, you, I, I, you can't yeah, write in every character. No, 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 no. And and they, they had a resolution early. You know, they sort of fell in love and went off and they, they got to be... They got to be happily ever after fairly early in the series. So yeah. I think that's fine. So our group goes into the three plum court and they're kind of going over what happened to everyone. And we see the collar and the seals. I kind of noted that Aginan doesn't seem to be able to sense the emotions because she's not a channeler. That's not terribly surprising. Oh, from the sad bracelet. Yeah. But she, and, but she does say also that this is not an Adam this is something else no oh i also noticed that doman's like i did own something like this and i need like yeah right it's one of the seals <laughs> he and totally we know he did, did right yeah because <laughs> that's one of the ones that moraine found in falma after the in the at the end of the great hunt that was taken from doman by the shan chan again Oh, yeah, by Aginan, and then Aginan gave it to the Shanchan Emperor, or whatever he is Turok, at the time. The Turok, he, kind of, yeah. The noble, of the high blood. And he had it in his possession when Rand killed him. So, yeah. It was just a fun little circular thing where he was like, no, you didn't. And, yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> and they decide, they try and destroy the collar and fail, because it's Quendiar. Right. Oh, that's... Yeah, that's my readout. We're done with this chapter already. Yeah, it's a pretty short one. There wasn't a lot going on. Yeah, just naive saying that this is too dangerous. Let it risk uh, falling into the wrong hands. Elaine, can you may, can you try to destroy this? We're getting into the final scenes in this book for each character. And so I think of this chapter as the epilogue for the previous chapter, because this is the last time we see the girls in this book. We saw the big action scene, the big fight scene, and we're about to see, like, every character go through their big fight scene Perrin's big fight scene and then Rand's big fight scene and Matt is there with Rand fighting Kuladin. so we're, we're about to sort of finish up the final battle for each of these characters and this is the what I think of as the epilogue for the girls and it's just a short little one just sort of setting up what they're going to do and, and where they're going for the next piece of the story so 
Julian suggests to Nynaeve that like these two things are very important and listen, I don't know much about this stuff, but it, it seems to me you should bring it to the tower for them to be kept safely. And Nynaeve says, no, 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 maybe the seal, but not this male Adam. And she says, that is too dangerous to risk it ever falling back into the hands of dark friends. Elaine, can you destroy them? Melt them. I don't care if they burn through the table. Just destroy them. I see what you mean, Elaine said with a grimace. Nynaeve doubted she did. Elaine believed in the tower wholeheartedly, but she believed in Rand, too. Nynaeve could not see the glow of Sidar, of course, but the intent way the girl stared at the vile objects told her she was channeling. The bracelets and necklace lay there. Elaine frowned. Her stare became more intent. Abruptly, she shook her head. Her hand poised hesitantly for a moment, close to one of the bracelets, before picking it up, and dropped it again with a gasp. It feels... it's full of... Drawing a deep breath, she said, I did what you asked, Nynaeve. A hammer would be burning a puddle for the fire... I wove into it. It's just an awkward sentence, but it isn't even warm. So Megedian had not lied. Doubtless, she had thought there was no need, but she would surely win. How did the woman get loose? But what to do with the things? She was not going to let them fall into anyone's hands. Master Daman, do you know a very deep part of the sea? I do, Mistress Almira, he said slowly, gingerly, trying not to feel the emotions. Nynaeve shoved the collar and bracelets across the table to him, then dropped these into it, where no one can ever fish them out again. After a moment, he nodded. I will. He stuffed them into his coat pocket hurriedly, clearly disliking to touch something that must have to do with the power. In the deepest part of the sea I do know, near the Isle Somera, Aginan was frowning at the floor, no doubt thinking about the alienor leaving. Nynaeve had not forgotten the woman calling him a properly set-up man. She herself felt like laughing. It was all but done. As soon as Damon could sail, the hateful collar and bracelets would be gone forever. They could leave her Tarvalin and then... then go back to Tyr, or wherever Alan Mandragoran was. Facing Mogedian, realizing how close she had been to being killed or worse, only made her urgency to deal with him greater. A man she had to share with a woman she hated. But if Aginan could look fondly on a man she once took prisoner, and Duman was certainly eyeing her with interest, and if Elaine could love a man who would go mad, then she could puzzle out some way to enjoy what she could have of Lan. Shall we go downstairs and see how Thera is taking to being a servant, she suggested? Soon for Tarvalin. Soon. Nice. Yeah, he, uh, I like Ogier pointing out that Elaine's the one who creates a lot of the Angriel, and now she's the one trying to destroy them. Oh, yeah. A little bit of symmetry there. I don't really think about it. Although Rand is the only one who uh, manages to destroy these using the true power, the only thing that can actually break Quendiar. Yep, yep. You know, I, I, one thing that I really love is the parallel between shielding someone and Rand being in the all right, so here's a little, like, what I what I think the box is so brilliant is because it was Rand in the box trying to break out against the soft points is exactly like the Dark One being sealed in his prison trying to break out against the seven seals of Quendiar. Yeah, true. Never really thought about it that way. Anyway, and just, yeah, the insanity in the box is, the, imagine the Dark One in the box, always, forever. The box... It's in the box. It's the dark one. <laughs>
Oh, so I went to Alberta Street Pub just real quick for food today. And there's actually a podcast going in the venue. Oh, cool. What is it? Like a $5 cover. It's a true crime podcast. I listened to it. I turned on the latest episode. Their sound quality is really good. What's it called? Dumb and Busted. Oh, I don't know that one. Dumb and Busted. (laughs) So it's like silly true crime. (laughs) As far as I can tell. I think. (laughs) Anyway, just, just the idea that, oh man, at some point we should... It would be nice if we could do like a live recording at the venue. Um, and I'm sure uh, Ezra would be more than happy to give me a spot. He's brought it up a few times. so Yeah, that would be really cool. Thank you for listening to the Wheel of Time Spoilers podcast. Rate us in the Apple Podcast app or support us on Patreon. Is that good enough? Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.